Welcome to Most Popular, the podcast that combines the attractiveness of Beyonce with the brains of, well, Beyonce. I mean, who am I kidding, you guys? She's brilliant. I'm Dr. Adrienne Trierbenik. I'm your host. And in case you are hearing this for the first time, I am a real-life college professor of sociology. I am not one of those fake ones that you can find on the internet. I'm not a bot, at least not last time I checked. Um, I created this podcast to combine my two loves, pop culture and the impact it has on our lives. Today's episode is uh, a little personal to me. We, we meaning I, have a conversation with uh, Jamie Spore. Jamie is the 2016 Miss Wheelchair Michigan. So she is a real life beauty queen. Um, she's also a person who has been living with spina bifida for her entire life. So she was born with it and has been um, dealing with it um, for the last 40 plus years, um, which she'll get more into the the details of that and what her childhood was like and how all of that um, comes to came to be. I wanted to talk with her. Um, number one, I think you all are just going to see what a incredible person she is. And I know sometimes that that label of incredible kind of gets um, pushed onto folks who have disabilities. Um, and I, I don't mean it in the sense of, you know, inspirational or anything like that, although she is, she's all of those things. But just her voice and the way that she explains and discusses the things she's been through in her life, the good, the bad, all of it, just makes you feel something by the end of this. This tends to be one of those conversations that the students, um, you all, tell me that you've enjoyed the most. So I am psyched to talk with her and to present this discussion with you. I also was inspired to do this, kind of had it in the back of my brain after she won her crown in 2016, that it would be really cool someday to combine the beauty queen pageant with the the fact that she is Miss Wheelchair, which, you know, if no one knew that there's an, a national Miss Wheelchair competition, you know now. Uh, and also, I just like to brag that my friend is a real life beauty queen. So um, I hope you truly enjoy listening to our discussion. Uh, and here is Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to Most Popular. Hi, how are you? I'm very excited to be talking to a real-life beauty queen. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited for this opportunity. I really am. Um, so you're Miss Wheelchair Michigan 2016, right? Yes. Yes. So can you talk about how that came to be? How did you become Miss Wheelchair Michigan? Sure. It's kind of a long story. I actually was registered for the pageant a year before I competed and I developed a pressure sore which we might talk about later mm -hmm. and so actually so actually four days before the pageant I had to email the state coordinator and be like I'm sorry but I'm on complete bed rest and I can't be there and oh. so then I I had always been interested in the pageant for a couple of years because the counselor that I was seeing at the time for anxiety and depression knew the state coordinator and she encouraged me to apply. So I had al always looked forward to it and then life just kind of happened. And mm -hmm. then I was registered, as I said, and uh, developed that pressure sore. But uh, honestly, that pressure sore really turned into be a blessing in disguise because it really reinforced the platform that I ended up choosing a year later. And so what I had to do was um, create my platform, which was and truly is the mantra of my life, uh, choose hope. And it's just basically encouraging others um, to have hope in the face of adversity. And so 
then I wrote a speech and memorized that based upon my, my platform. And then I went to the competition and had a private interview with the judges. And then we did our speeches on stage. And then we had on stage questions. And then there were six girls that I competed against. And then I was crowned the winner. And I was so excited and honestly <laughs> really honored because it could have it could have truly been any of us. And I'm not just saying that because I, I won the crown, but it really could have been any of us. And I was so full of shock and awe, awe and just gratitude. What were the questions they asked you? Do you remember? The on-stage questions, there was one serious and one funny. And so the serious one was, if you were given a million dollars, what would you do with it? And then the funny one, and then the funny one was, um, relate a funny story related to your disability. What would you do with a million dollars? I would divide it up a couple of different ways. I would donate some of it to food pantries across the nation to develop um, food food pantries and to reduce um, food. Uh, hunger mm-hmm. and then I would give some I would give some of it to communities to address homelessness and then I would give some of it to um, schools across the nation to uh, promote education especially education about disabilities and that is why you're Miss Wheelchair Michigan 2016 <laughs> <laughs> thank you the judges seem to like that answer <laughs> what was it like to, I've always wondered, what was it like to be in a pageant like that? Were you nervous? I really wasn't nervous. I was more excited because I had wanted to do it for a couple of years. And so it was finally happening. And it truly was like not only accomplishing a goal, but also reaching that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. Because I had been on bed rest for that previous year for mm-hmm. four months healing that pressure sore and then um so then fast forward a year and to be able to to be competing against six other amazing women for the possibility of not only wearing a pretty crown but also being able to share your platform and your passion I was really excited and and I knew that my my platform was important to me and so I knew that regardless of whether I I won the crown I was going to share that as much as I could in my home community But winning the crown was amazing because it gave me a much bigger and broader audience to be able to share my platform and my passion. Because, I mean, here in Ludington, Michigan, where I live, people will listen to Jamie Spore's story. But at the state level and Midwest level, people aren't necessarily going to listen to to Jamie Spore's story, but they will listen to Miss Wheelchair Michigan's story. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Um, what outreach did you do after you were done? I mean, you were, it felt like you were everywhere, but what, what did you end up doing after you, you won? I really felt like I was everywhere, too. And <laughs> that was really, that was really honestly, though, intentional because I knew that the experience was only going to last for a year. And so I told myself going into the competition that if you win, Make sure that you capitalize on and take advantage of every opportunity that you're given. And so I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just stating that I actually went to 153 events 
in that calendar year. Wow. Which was, it was crazy. There were days when I was in three or four different places. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really crazy. Um, But I wanted to make sure that I did everything that was presented to me. And I met everyone that I possibly could. And so I um, met with community leaders. I met with politicians. I met with business owners. I spoke in schools and churches. Uh, I met with people of all abilities uh, because, like I said, my platform was chosen not only because it's a mantra of my life, but also because it's so broad that it really applies to everybody. I mean, yes, people with disabilities face adversity, but we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that that people with disabilities face are unique, but everybody faces adversity. And so I just am, and, and honestly, hope has saved my life mm-hmm. in so many instances. And, and so I just wanted to be able to share that with people. And so every time somebody would send me a Facebook message or a text message or call me and say, we're doing this on this date, if I could be there, I was there. So when you were meeting with the community leaders and politicians and all these people, um, what were you telling them? I would basically introduce myself and then share my story, as I still do to a certain extent, mm-hmm. uh, but just talk about some of some of the adversity that I had gone through and then just talk about other experiences that I had had too. And I, so I would explain what spina bifida is, which is the birth defect that I was born with. Mm-hmm. And then I would talk about um, life in a wheelchair because I've been a, a lifelong wheelchair user. And then I would talk about how life was different. I will be 38 next month. And so life is a lot different now than it was 38 years ago. And so I would talk about um, differences in accessibility and disability awareness and um, just even uh, attitudinal barriers. And, but then I would also showcase, you know, improvements that we've made Mm -hmm. over the last 38 years. And so I just, I wanted to bring, to bring awareness and I wanted to educate people about, about disabilities and about unique um, challenges that people with disabilities face. Can you talk about what spina bifida is? Like, can you explain it? Sure. I'm sure you can, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Sure. So spina bifida is actually the second most popular uh, birth defect in the United States. It is uh, the most common uh, birth defect that causes permanent disability. Um, the, the most common birth defect is congenitive heart, congenital heart defect. Mm-hmm. And so what spina bifida is, there, there are multiple forms of it. And I was born with the most severe form, which is called myelomeningocele, which is just a fun name for nerves, meninges, and um, the muscles and all of the different structures within the back. Mm-hmm. So basically what happens with, with spina bifida is those nerves and meninges and vertebrae uh, either form incorrectly or they don't form at all. And so um, if you were to look at my back on an x-ray or if you were to feel it, picture an open zipper, like a zipper with a, a split in it. So most of my back is fine. And then you get to the middle of the back and 
um, then it splits open. So the vertebrae are split into two pieces. Four of my vertebrae are split into two pieces. Um, and then they come back together below that. Well, in that, er in that area of the four vertebrae, um, the, the meninges and the nerves and everything uh, went through the vertebrae to the outside of my body. And mm -hmm. so I was born, so I was born with this um, sack of fluid on my back with all of those structures inside of it. Um, and then basically when the baby passes through or I pass through my mom's birth canal, then that, that um, sack pops and then the fluid starts to leak out. Well, you have to have that repaired. And, and, uh, and I don't mean that spina bifida is fixed. I mean that right. you have back surgery to put everything back into your back. And then your back is sewn up because if you leave everything open, then you're, you're open to infection and bacteria and you can contract meningitis and die. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the back surgery to close that up. So I know that's a long, long description, no. but that's what spina bifida is. But no, it's perfect. It's an exact, I can picture exactly what, what you're talking about. So you were born in 1981, 1980, 1981, I was. 1981, 1981. Um, so you probably know a little bit about how things have advanced <laughs> a little bit. You probably know a lot about things have advanced since 1981. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. I meant to say that yes. sarcastically. It didn't come out the way that it <laughs> sounded no, in my head. No, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so I actually know about life. Um, before the Americans with Disabilities Act, yes, as well as life after the enactment of the Americans with Disabilities Act, because um, the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, was enacted in July of 1990, mm -hmm. and so basically, I legally didn't have any rights as far as accessibility goes mm -hmm. um, until I was um, almost eight years old. Yeah, yeah. Do you have memories so, of how that affected you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my my mom is my hero, and I apologize in advance if I get emotional about this, but but truly, my mom is my hero because that woman has been through so much with me yeah. and for me um, throughout my life, and she taught me not necessarily by talent, like by verbally saying, but by showing me mm -hmm. that I needed to advocate for myself because. Um, I can look back on elementary school, for example. And so I started school in 1986, which was pre-ADA as well. Yeah. And so, and so there was no wheelchair accessible bathroom. Mm. Um, and I rode an, an ISD bus to school. Mm -hmm. The school district that I went to didn't even have an accessible bus. And so, and we can talk about this later too, um, but I have always had incontinence issues that's really common with para and quadriplegics yeah and so I used to uh be self-catheterized and then I did it myself and and um so I would go to the bathroom literally in a storage closet on a table oh god um until I was in third grade right yeah and and so you look and so you look back on those things and but my mom is an advocacy rock star and she approached the school board and and was like, "This is wrong. Like, you need to to provide transportation. You you need to provide bathroom facilities. I mean, it's demeaning for my daughter to go to the bathroom in a storage closet." 
And so it took a while. It took a while, but they finally got on board. And, and my mom did that in the community too. I mean, you know, even the, the LMCA dial ride buses didn't have to have lifts on them back then. Mm -hmm. And now they do. And so, and even uh, transportation to field trips, this is mind blowing to me to look back on, but this is the truth. Um, I can remember field trips that my mom would have to either drive me to herself or she would have to have her parents who lived about a quarter of a mile down the road from us take me to this field trip because the school refused to provide transportation and the ESD wouldn't loan the school district a bus. Wow. And so, and so family members would drive me to the field trips. Otherwise, I would have to stay back at the school and hang out with the principal. Oh, wow. And Jamie. so it's, it's very, I mean, like I said, I look back on it and I am just like, how could this have even been right? Like, mm-hmm. How could this have even been accessible or, mm-hmm. or acceptable rather? Sorry. Um, and, and honestly, I have to, I have to pat my mom on the back because one of the coolest things that she ever did for me as far as field trips go is, uh, so I live along the lakeshore, um, along Lake Michigan. And so there are multiple lighthouses here and there's a state park about eight miles from my apartment building. And so when I was in fourth grade, I will never forget this. My mom drove me in her car behind the school bus out to the state park because that's where our end of the year uh, field trip was. And then once we got there, um, we were going to climb to the top of what is called uh, Big Sable Lighthouse. And so the teachers had just accepted that I would go there and I would sit at the picnic table and whatever happened, happened. Um, but my mom was so adamant that that I have the full experience that she literally carried me up on her back to the top of Big Sabo Lighthouse wow. so that I could experience that with my with my classmates. And and I will probably honestly never see the top of Big Sabo again, but at the same time I will never forget it. Like I will never forget that yeah. too. Because she because she gave me that huge, huge gift, you know? We can make Tim put you on his back and carry you. Tim is my husband for people who are don't are in the know. He, <laughs> Tim will totally, we'll, we'll work it out. Don't worry. I mean, he carries. That, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he carries patience all day long. He's, it's fine. Um, I have this. See, we can, we can make this happen. I have this memory of, because we did forensics together in high school. And I have this memory that we got like a special, like the Luddington's, um, like fancy bus and I have this memory of because it had a lift right and our bus didn't and I remember we we had this memory of like wow this is a fancy bus and you were like you're welcome (laughs) like you're welcome (laughs) I probably was I'm kind of sassy I'm kind of outspoken because I remember Um, it had like more cushioned seats and yeah yeah. see I never got to experience those although I have to tell you I have been told by medical professionals that I am sitting on the um, Cadillac of wheelchair cushions. Are you? I can't feel it. I can't feel it. Yeah. But that's what I've been told. And and my nieces and friends of mine have sat on it. And they said it's pretty comfy. So, I mean, I've got that going for me. You do. Um, so here's what I'm hearing <laughs> from listening to you talk about your mom. Um, it sounds like your mom being an advocate really, like, impacted you. 
And so you decided I'm going to be an advocate in whatever avenue I have. And that's why you did like Miss Wheelchair Michigan. You do this on Facebook where you have your fun facts about um, spina bifida. Is that, does that feel accurate? Like that really pushed you to advocate for yourself and for other people? Yes, because I mean, you think about it. And as I said, my mom is my hero. And regardless of who your hero is, I mean, you want to emulate them. You want yeah. to be like them, you know? And so, and so one of the things that I've always admired about my mom and two of the things really, um, is one that she was and still is a strong advocate for me. And two, I mean, she's a really strong lady. And I'm not saying physical strength. I mean, I'm saying fortitude. I mean, she could have said the first time that the school board was like, no, we're not going to do the bathroom for Jamie. We're not going to provide transportation for Jamie. She could have said, okay, well, I tried. You know, I'm sorry, Jamie, but I tried. Mm -hmm. But she didn't. She just kept pushing and pushing. And so I remember, like, thinking as I was growing up, I'm like, I want to be like that someday. And so... um. I started to advocate a little bit um, in high school. I, you might not remember this, but so I would speak to like elementary school classrooms and I would speak yeah. to middle school yeah. house classes uh, about spina bifida. And so that kind of like sparked the fire, if you will. Um, and then as I got older, I became more interested in spina bifida. I mean, I had always lived with it, but I wanted to know more and I wanted facts and I wanted statistics and I wanted to know what was coming down the road. I mean, we never know for sure what life is going to to give us, but I wanted an idea, you know, and Mm -hmm. so I did a lot of research. And and then as I got older, um, you know, and I learned that it was the second most common birth defect, I was like, wow, this touches so many people. And I was like, I need to share this because people need to know about this, not only because I live it, but because somebody that they know could live it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just, I remember that my mom taught me not only to be an advocate for myself, but to be an advocate for people that either were too shy or didn't want to share their story um, or for people that physically couldn't share their story, you know? And so I just, I just, subconsciously almost kind of made it my my job or my mission in life to to raise awareness about about uh specifically spina spina bifida um as well as a a brain condition that I was born with called hydrocephalus um but not not only about those issues but also about accessibility and and about education and because you can look at me And know that I'm a paraplegic. I mean, you can see my wheelchair, Mm -hmm. but you can't look at me, but you can't look at me and know that I have a fake spinal cord in my head. Right. You can't look at me. You can't look at me and know that I could have a pressure sore on my back. Mm -hmm. You can't look at me and know that I've had organs removed, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and so I wanted to raise awareness and, and educate about it's so much more than disability. Yeah. And, and I just, I felt like, I felt, I felt like people needed to know that because like I said, it could happen to anybody. I mean, there, there is a genetic link with it. Um, in about 5% of spina bifida cases, I believe it is, um, genetics can play a role. And that's really evident in my family. Um, I have three cousins who were born with the defect, wow. but at the same time, it can have, it can happen to any family. Yeah. It can happen to anybody. And so I just have always felt passionate about sharing and educating about it. You know what else I really appreciate about you is how open you are about the mental health part of all of this. And I, 
I'm really open about mental health issues I've had. I don't mind sharing it with anyone. Um, and I like that I that, that you're like that too, that you say, you know, these are the things you can see. These are the things you can't see. This is not like you had a surgery and you're fine and, you know, life carries on, that there's other stuff that comes with it besides that. Right. Well, and so yesterday was actually World Mental Health Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. And I am, and I am really passionate about um, visible as well as invisible disabilities and that's why I was so excited to um earn my title at Miss Wheelchair Michigan because it gave me um an arena to to share about all of those different types of of disabilities and yeah I mean I can remember being a really anxious child um, Mm -hmm. and worrying about stress that I knew was never going to happen but I still stressed about it anyways um but I didn't have a diagnosis until about six or seven years ago um, I actually ended up um, on bed rest with a huge pressure sore that was literally the size of a grapefruit, believe it or not. Wow. And so, so I spent two weeks shy of two years in bed mm-hmm. healing this pressure sore. Um, and so, and being on bed rest means that the only reason that I could be in my wheelchair was to go to the bathroom, to take a bath to grab something to eat out of the kitchen and not make a long meal, but grab a sandwich or a protein shake or something out of the refrigerator um, or go to the hospital or go to the pharmacy. Those mm-hmm. were the only reasons that I could be in my chair. And so I was, I was spent a lot of time in bed over that, that two and a, two and a half years, or I'm sorry, 23 and a half months rather. Sorry. Um, but probably about eight months into that, I had just started having really dark thoughts. Yeah, And I just, I was fighting depression really, really bad because I felt like I, I've never been in jail. I've never been in, in trouble with the law, but I felt like I was in jail yeah. because I couldn't go anywhere. And I didn't, I didn't have a lot of choice about, about my life or about what I could and couldn't do. And so um, I started being really depressed. And so I started seeing a counselor and she literally saved my life. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so um, I mean, I don't know if we can talk about this on your pad- podcast. It's been a couple of years, but I've been suicidal. I mean, yeah. I've stared down a bottle of Xanax and mm-hmm. I've begged myself not to take them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've um, looked in the headlights of a white pickup truck and had to talk myself out of wheeling in front of it, you know, yeah. and, and until you go through those things, I mean, you have no idea how dark depression can be. And so I just became passionate about sharing about mental illness because I wanted to break the stigma and I wanted people to realize that it's okay to need help. I mean, it's okay to need help with anything, but if you, if you are struggling with your own thoughts and your own mind, it's okay to seek out medication. It's okay to seek out counseling. It's okay to call your friend and be like, you know what? If I don't talk to you right now, I might not be here tomorrow. Yeah. You know? And, um, and so I just, I've always been passionate about, because uh, my friend Chad is, he's a brother to me. He really is. And he posted this thing on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, I would rather you call me at 2 a.m. and tell me that you're struggling and you need help than have your mom call me tomorrow and tell me that you took your life. Yeah. The thing I think yeah. that, the thing that I think is special about you is that you take whatever pain you're feeling and you use it to try and help yourself and then try and help other people. 
And that to me is amazing because I hope you realize not everybody would do that. Like that's not something that most people would do. Most people would say, I've, I'm fine, I've healed myself. But reaching out to other folks is not always in the cards. And um, that's what's really, I think, amazing about you. And to be open and honest about what you've gone through. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Not a lot of people will share Thank when they're you. when they're in pain or when they're struggling. So yeah. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Honestly, I mean, I've always been kind of a proactive person. I mean, I've yeah. never been one to to just settle for okay, this is going to happen and there's nothing I can do about it. And so I'm just gonna go through it and then be done. You know? I've always looked for ways to prevent it in the future or um, make something good out of it, you know, like look for the silver lining in it. And um, I posted on October 1st, the, the first day of Spina Bifida Awareness Month, that I was really open with everybody um, on my Miss Wheelchair Michigan page as well as my personal page. And I said, look, I am going to be really vulnerable with you for this month. I'm going to share details about myself that you probably don't want to know. But this is my life. This is who I am. This is what shaped me into who I am. And this is real, you know, and that and that sharing stuff about um, mental illness, that's sharing stuff about the fake, fake spinal cord in my head, mm-hmm. that's sharing things about um, pressure sores, that's sharing things about organs I've had removed, that's sharing things about incontinence accidents I've had. I mean, none of that stuff is fun, but that stuff is real life, yep. you know, and I, I have a beautiful life. I do. I mean, honestly, sometimes depression makes me forget that. But I have a beautiful life, but I can't look anybody in the face and tell them that I have an easy life because I don't. I mean, and and I know that, like I said in the beginning, we all face adversity, but I face some pretty, pretty (laughs) unique adversities. And, and, um, Mm -hmm. but like you said, I think that it's important to use them as teaching tools because we do all face adversities, you know, and who knows? who else out there is facing the crazy adversities that I am that could learn from what I share? You know, I mean, who, who knows who out there is dealing with bladder or bowel incontinence and could, could benefit from hearing that we're not alone. And two, I know this is embarrassing, but three, we're going to get through it, you know? And who out there that that has mental illness doesn't want to hear, you know what? That mental illness is hard. And I've wanted to end my life too, but I'm glad I'm still here and I'm glad you're still here and let's get through this. Let's talk this out, you know? Yeah. Um, I've just always, I think I, I um, inherited this from my mom too, um, but I just have always been one of those people that I wanted to help people. And so I just, it took me a while. I mean, you know, in my early 20s, I would have never shared about um, incontinence issues or mm-hmm. Um, even, even honestly, you know, that, that para and quadriplegics, I mean, we have sexual desires too. I mean, mm-hmm. some people look at us and, and they're like, oh my gosh, you want to date somebody? You want to have sex with a guy someday? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, they look at us and they, and they think that because our, our legs don't work that, you know, we're, we're not, we're not. That you're not human. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so I just, I like to, to educate and share my story, um, you know, to help other people, but also to, 
to like dispel misconceptions about us, you know? I I am constantly just in awe of your ability to communicate all of this stuff in such a I don't know. I don't know if I could be as as tough in in as you are. So I don't know if that's a compliment Aww. or not. I hope that comes you're across just, as a compliment. You're patting me on the back throughout this whole thing. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I mean, I I respect you a lot, Jamie. I think you're, I mean, you know, besides the fact that you've overcome a lot, you are one of the coolest people I think I know. You're so smart and funny and, you know, I just, Aww. I think that's, that's, that's part of the deal. Um, okay. So there's a question I'm asking you everybody. Know, honestly, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sure. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, you know, honestly, I just feel like there's there's a meme. It's kind of cheesy, but there's a meme that goes <laughs> around Facebook sometimes. And it says something about you never know how strong you are until being strong is all the only choice that you have. Um, and there's another one that talks about how you never know what people are going through. So always be kind. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I can't look anybody in the eye I can't look you in the eye I can't look my mom in the eye and say that given the choice you know I would have picked China Bifida because I wouldn't right um but but at the same time I and this might sound strange but it's the honest to goodness truth I'm really grateful for it because yes I've been through some crazy stuff um but at the same time, Spina Bifida has given me so many amazing gifts. I mean, it's given me courage. It's given me strength. It's given me fortitude. It's given me perseverance. And, and who knows, but maybe I wouldn't have had those things um, if not for Spina Bifida. And so um, I just, you have to look at it as a positive thing, because if you don't, then you're not only fighting the situation, but you're fighting your own thoughts about it. Yeah. And you have an extremely cute dog. I have the cutest dog in the world. <laughs> He's a monster. He's caged up right now. But he is he is super cute. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So there's a question I'm asking everybody. And if you, there's no right or wrong answer. It's completely off the top of your head. Um, so just so you know. But I'm asking everyone, since my show is called Most Popular, I'm asking who or what do you think do you think deserves to be voted most popular? So there are two ideas or fundament, fundamentals of society that I think should be voted most popular. Okay. And those are and those are accessibility and inclusion. Stevie Wonder said, "We need to make every single thing accessible to every single person." And I completely agree with him. I mean, things have come a long way as far as accessibility goes since I was born, but there's still so much work to be done. I mean, there's so so many buildings in the community where I live and even throughout the state and the country and the world that I still don't have access to. You know, there are still so many programs and so many services that I don't have access to. So I think accessibility is important. And I also think that inclusion is important. And there was a quote that you shared in one of the emails that you sent to me. And it was, I don't remember who said it, but it was something about um, being welcome. If you're not welcomed at the table, bring, if, oh. if there isn't a chair at the table for you, then bring a folding chair. Yeah, that's Shirley Chisholm. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I'm sorry if I messed that up. No, but, you didn't. You said it perfectly. The bottom, but the bottom line is, People with disabilities might 
look different from you. They might have different situations than you. But and and maybe there's not an accessible chair at the tables for them. But in my case, I'm bringing my own chair. So just include me. Just welcome me to the table. Just be open enough to say, you know what, James, this might be hard for you, or it might be hard for us to make this building accessible to you or to make this service accessible to you. But let's talk. Let's figure this out. And so accessibility and inclusion should just should be voted most popular. And um I have to share a story quickly because as I, as I mentioned to you in our emails, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. Yes. Um, I always have been. (laughs) And so over the last few years, I've done a lot of really crazy, really cool adaptive things. And um, one of them is I kind of have this addiction to skydiving. It's super fun. And, and so um, I, they don't call it an airport. They call it a drop zone. And so I always go to the drop zone at Skydive Elegant. And I'm not trying to, dr- to name drop them, but I'm just saying they're amazing people. Yeah. Because from the first time from the first time that I met them when I was Miss Wheelchair Michigan, it was never a question of whether I could skydive. It was how do we make make it possible for you to skydive? And so my harness is a little bit different than an able bodied person, but but I can still do it. And so I know that's kind of going off on a tangent, but I just, I really believe that accessibility and inclusion are are just so, so important and definitely should be voted most popular. I I, um, was going to talk about your skydiving in in the introduction. And as I said to you before we started recording, there is no way I will sit on the ground and cheer you on. There is no way I will jump out of a plane. I just tip my hat to you so hard because that there's, it just, it would never happen for me. Um, but it, it was really, it was really strange because I went skydiving for the first time and adaptive water skiing for the first time in back to back weekends. And I felt like I should be scared to skydive, but I wasn't, but I was really nervous to water ski. I kept telling the really? um, physical therapist that I went with. Yeah, I kept telling the physical therapist that I went with, please don't let me drown. Please don't let me drown. (laughs) And I did it through an adaptive clinic through a local rehab hospital. And they're like, James, we've been doing this clinic for 15 years. We haven't had a drowning yet. And I'm like, I know, but there's always that first one and I don't want to be it. And they're like, no, James, we got you. And and I've gone water skiing a few times um, since then. And it's really fun. And and I'm actually going to try out adaptive scuba diving next month. Um, So I'm really excited. But but um, honestly, um, skydiving is not scary. It's really, really not scary. It's the best adrenaline rush that you've ever had in your life. And you can literally, from 11,000 feet in the air, you can literally see the curve of the earth. It is super cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this for me and for being on my podcast and for being amazing and all of the things you do. I just adore you, Jamie. So thank you. Aw, thank you. This has been really fun. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more episodes of Most Popular on iTunes and SoundCloud. More information, including additional resources for educators, can be found on my website, which is adriantrier-beanick.com. And the website is linked in episode notes, so you know you can figure out how to spell my name. I am also on Instagram at at dr.com. 
A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-T-B. That's at Dr.AdrianTB. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you to my students for encouraging me to keep making these, and I will 